0: Hallelujah! Come on, let's give God some praise. Come on, right where you are. Come on, open your mouth and give God some praise from your living room, from your kitchen, wherever you are. Come on, let's give God praise for who he is. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. Hallelujah. We want to welcome everyone, everyone to Hope Haven Church on this morning. Uh, we want to thank you for uh, taking the time out uh, to join us and to worship with us. And we hope that you are enjoying your worship experience with us on this morning. Now, I want to give a special Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers on the line. Uh, can you guys just clap your hands and wish somebody a Happy Mother's Day in the Comment section. That's right. Let's right. Let's celebrate all the mommies. Come on, let's celebrate all of the mothers. Just give somebody a happy Mother's Day. Uh, just 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 name them, claim them, scream them out, holler them. That's right. Happy Mother's Day. Shout your mama out, shout your aunt out, shout the sister uh, that's on Zoom next to you, shout her out. That's right. And you know what? Tag a mother on Mother's Day on Facebook and tell them to join us uh, right now as we go into the word of God. Uh, For those of you that are watching on Facebook Live, uh, you can hit the share button uh, to share with us uh, or to share with someone the gospel on today. Uh, We're going to be going through the word of God for just a few moments. And once again, I want to thank all of you guys uh, for taking the time out on this Mother's Day uh, to join us uh, for uh, our whole Haven celebration and our worship celebration of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, so I'm not going to be before you long on today, but I do want to share a word from the Lord with you. Those of you that have been following us for the few for the last few weeks, uh, you know that we have been uh, teaching from the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, but um, as I was going through the word on this week, um, it hit me that it's Mother's Day. So I uh, wanted to Uh, give us more of an appropriate message for today. Uh, I'm going to be coming from the book of Judges, uh, the 13th chapter. Usually on Mother's Day, um, there are certain scriptures that uh, come to mind when we uh, think of uh, this wonderful day. Uh, There are certain women in the Bible. uh, Obviously, there's Sarah, there's Rebecca, there's Leah, there's Rachel, there's Hannah. There's um, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, but I wanted to go uh, to a woman that's not spoken of too often because. came here, uh, and that is Samson. Uh, what makes this scripture also very significant is the fact that uh, it never makes mention of her name through the whole entire uh, chapter. Um, She's always just referenced as Samson's mother or the wife of Manoa, uh, but she had a huge impact in Samson's life, and that's what I want to talk about on today. I want to celebrate the unsung heroes uh, because a lot of times uh, the women in our life and the mothers in our life don't get the credit that they deserve uh, for the things that they do behind the scenes uh, to make us who we are. Uh, So I want to celebrate all mothers on today uh, just to let you know that your work has not gone in vain but that God sees you, uh, that God honors you, uh, and that we honor you. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Judges, the 13th chapter. We're going to go through, hopefully, the whole entire chapter in its entirety, uh, if we have time. Uh, When you get there, let me see somebody hit an amen up in the comment section and we'll start reading. uh, Judges, the 13th chapter, starting at the first verse. Uh, There we go, there we go. see Evangelist Davis gave me an amen. All right, it says, the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines 40 years. There was a certain man from Zorah, From the family of Dan, whose name was Manoah, his wife was unable to conceive and had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, although you are unable to conceive and have no children, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, please be careful not to drink wine or beer or to eat anything unclean, for indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must not cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Then the woman went and told her husband, a man of God, came to me. He looked like an awe-inspiring angel of God. I didn't ask him where he came from and he didn't tell me his name. He said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Therefore, do not drink wine or beer. Do not eat any unclean, anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth until the day of his death. Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, please, Lord, let the man of God you sent come again to us to teach us what we should do for the boy who will be born. God listened to Manoah and the angel of God came again to the woman. She was sitting in the field and the husband and her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman ran quickly to her husband and told him the man who came to me the other day has just come back. So Manoah got up and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he asked, are you the man who spoke to my wife? I am. He said, then Manoah asked when your words come true, What will be the boy's responsibilities and work? The angel of the Lord answered, Manoah, your wife needs to do everything I told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink wine or beer. She must not eat anything unclean. Your wife must do everything I have commanded her. Please stay there. Manoah told him, and we will prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to him, if I stay, I won't eat your food. But if you want to prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to him, what is your name so that we may honor you when your words come true? Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord asked, since it is beyond understanding. Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered them on a rock to the Lord who did something miraculous. While Manoah and his wife were watching, When the flame went up from the altar to the sky, the angel of the Lord went up in its flame. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell face down to the ground. The angel of the Lord did not appear again. Manoah and his wife, then Manoah realized that this was the angel of the Lord. Certainly we're going to die, he said to his wife, because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had intended to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and the grain offering from us. And we would have not shown and he would have not shown us all the things or spoken to us like this. So the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. Then the spirit of the Lord began to stir him up in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshterol. I want to talk about the preparation for a promise. Somebody type preparation for a promise, preparation for a promise. Uh, There are many times in our life where we want God to bless us. We want God to open up doors. uh, But the question that I have to ask is, are we prepared for the blessings that God wants to bestow upon us? Uh, And are we able to handle uh, the things that God is going to place in our lives And sometimes the reason why the blessings have not come and the reason why God has not opened certain doors and the reason why certain opportunities have not presented themselves is because we have not prepared ourselves for the opportunity. Uh, So we come here to the book of uh, Judges, the 13th chapter, and we see here that Israel is in a terrible condition. I don't have time uh, to go through the whole historical context of everything that's going on uh, during this time. But those of you that have read uh, the book of Judges, you will see that it appears that Israel just keeps going through a roller coaster ride. Uh, it's just a bunch of up and downs where God will show himself mightily. And then eventually Israel will go back into sin and God will deliver them and they'll go back into sin and God will deliver them and they would go back into sin. And it just appears to be the same type of situation going on where God reveals himself strong and mighty. He raises up judges like Deborah and he rages up judges like Jehu and he raises up all of these wonderful people. And even though God bestows his wonderful promises and his wonderful blessings, Israel continues to go back to their sin. Uh, This is not new. We've seen this go on in Exodus with the children of Israel. Uh, And those of us looking from the outside in, uh, we look at the scripture and we say, man, what's wrong with them? Uh, But if we would take a reflection of our life, we would begin to see that many of times we have done the same exact thing where God has shown himself mightily in our life. And even though he has shown himself mightily in our life, we still keep making the same mistakes or going back into the things that God has delivered us from. Uh, So if we look at it from that standpoint, we'll have grace upon Israel when we look at the text rather than constantly judging them and talking about how wrong they got it. Uh, Because sometimes we get it wrong too. And God delivers us just like he delivered Israel. So we come here in the first chapter and it says the Israelites did again what was evil in the Lord's sight. I want you to look at that word sight and I want you to change that word sight to presence uh, because God is omnipresent and he is everywhere. And when we look at the text again, it shows us that Israel had no regard for the presence of God. Uh, That God is there in their midst, but they have allowed the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life to get in the way of recognizing that the presence of God was among them. So what does God do? The Lord hands them over to the Philistines for 40 years. I I, I can unfold this text and I can probably talk about this for a good 10 minutes, but I want to move quickly. When we look at the word the Lord handed, it means that God put his or allowed the power of the Philistines to rule over Israel. Are you with me? So uh, it says no sound here. They, they ain't getting no sound. Uh, so we see here that God now puts his hand over Israel. Do y'all hear me? If you don't hear me, say something. <laughs> Can y'all hear me? Praise God. Can y'all hear me? guys hear me? Can y'all hear me? Somebody give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. All right. Y'all can hear me. All right. I'm sorry, y'all, for the technical difficulties. Y'all know how it is with technology, but we go and keep going. You with me? So we see here that God gives them over to the hands of the Philistines. Now, I want you to recognize something real quickly. I want you to see something real quickly when you look at this text. When you look at the hand of the Philistines and God handed them over, you have to understand that the Philistines were not a large gathering of people. Uh, The the Philistines was was not this huge country, but the Philistines was nothing more but a gathering of people that dwelled in five cities, which meant that they were smaller than Israel. Uh, So when God hands them over to the Philistines, it is more than just handing them over to their enemies, but he handed them over to an enemy that was beneath them. I need you to understand that 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 is that is one of the worst things that can happen in our life is when we find ourselves under control over something that we should have control over. But when you get wrapped up in your mess and you get wrapped up in sin, and it moves from being uh, just something uh, that you do in a social gathering to something that becomes a lifestyle. Next thing you know, the things that you should have dominion and authority over now is taking authority and dominion over your life. So now. Now you find yourself like the prodigal son who wakes, wakes up one morning sleeping amongst swine, and he asks himself, why am I here? Because sin has a way of taking you to places that are beneath you. And when you open your eyes, you begin to recognize that where you are, you're bigger than where you should be. So now the children of Israel are in a place where they are under the hands of something that should not be able to take control over them them and now we see here that there's a lot going on and Israel is crying out and God now sees that there's a man from the land of Zora, which is in the family of Dan his name is Manoah and his wife is unable to conceive and had no children uh, the word Zora there means a chaotic or a screechy loud noise and Manoah's name means rest or peaceful mm. So what we see here is we see that there's this chaos going on and there's a man that is looking for peace. And some of us are are, are in that situation right now where it appears that the world is chaotic. Uh, Everything is going on around us. Uh, It's just loud. It's a lot of noise. The news is going crazy. Uh, Folks are scaring you with all of this talks of rumors of war and coronavirus and the politics and the politicians and this and that. And sometimes you just say, God, I want some rest. Just looking for some peace. Uh, So this is Manoah. He's looking for peace in a chaotic world uh, but the bible says and the angel of the lord appeared to the woman who is his wife and he said to her although you are unable to conceive and have no children you will conceive and give birth to a son now i'm looking through the scriptures and one of the things that come to mind is why in the world does it appear that god always seems to use barren women to give birth to promised child promise children uh, when we look through Genesis, we see there's a woman by the name of Sarah, who is barren, and God eventually opens her womb, and we have Isaac. Uh, we see that Isaac eventually marries a woman by the name of Rebekah, and the Bible says that Rebekah is barren. Uh, but the Bible says, and the Lord, or, Isaac entreated the Lord, and the Lord opened her womb, and she gave birth. Uh, Isaac now, uh, he has a son named Jacob, and Jacob meets a woman by the name of Rachel, and Rachel, she is barren. Uh, and the Bible says eventually the Lord opens her womb and she has Joseph. Uh, The book of 1 Samuel says there's a woman by the name of Hannah and Hannah is barren. But the Lord opens her womb, and she has Samuel. And the book of Luke, the Bible says there's a woman by the name of Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is barren, and she gives birth to John the Baptist. Why in the world does it appear that God always seems to choose barren women when it's time for him to produce a blessing into the world? Uh, I, I can't give you a, a definite answer, but just looking through the text and looking at all of those experiences, the reason why I believe that God uses barren women is because he re- Recognizes that they recognize that, 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 that when God blesses them with something, that they are to give it complete care and to give it complete control over to God. Uh, see too many times in our life we take advantage of what god gives us uh-huh. but when you have been in a situation where it appears that God has been withholding blessings from you and that season of breakthrough comes through that's when you begin to honor and give god praise for the things that he has given you and can i help you sometimes god is withholding things because he wants you to appreciate it when he gives it to you uh, we've become so entitled in this generation where we believe that everything should belong to us. Uh, We become so entitled in this season that we believe that everything that God gives us, uh, it belongs to us and it should be given to us. Uh, But we have to understand whenever God gives us anything, it is a blessing from him that is given to us only because of his grace. Uh, So we see here when we look at this text that God sees a woman who lives in a chaotic world, who has a husband who's looking for rest. And he says, that's the woman that I could use because if I use her, she'll take care and she'll take understanding that what I'm putting in her is going to be a blessing and she'll make sure that she fulfills and does everything that I have told her to do with this blessing. So God sometimes withholds, sometimes God withholds from blessing us until we appreciate what he's going to bless us with. So we see here now the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and he says to her, although you are unable to conceive, you will conceive. Now watch this. But I need you to be careful not to drink wine or beer or to eat anything unclean. Watch this. Before I give any rules to your son, I have to make sure that you're consecrated first. Before I start talking about what Samson needs to do, I need to make sure that you do it first. Watch this. Because your child, or I'm talking to mothers and I'm talking to fathers, your children watch what you do. So what God wants to do is he wants to make sure that if Samson's going to be sanctified or that God is going to use Samson, that Samson has no excuse or no reason that he can blame his mother because his mother was sanctified. And those of us that come from sanctified and saved and Holy Ghost filled parents, we need to appreciate that because God has set them aside to give us an example of how to live holy. It ain't nobody else's else's fault of our own when we decide to go astray when God has given us family and parents that have raised us with a standard of holiness so that God could be pleased with them. We have no reason. So when Samson messes up in the next few chapters, he can't blame his mama. When Samson sins in the next few chapters, he can't bring his, he can't bring up his upbringing because the thing that he has to say is that I made these mistakes, but I can't blame my mama. And what we have to understand is that some of us may have come from unsaved loved ones. Some of us may have may come from mothers that aren't saved and sanctified and Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized and all of those great things. Uh, but, but God has now raised you up. And it is our responsibilities, not as just mothers and as fathers, but to be set aside and to be examples for our children so that our children are without any excuse on how to worship and how to please God. So before God deals with Samson, God deals with his mother because not only does he not want Samson poisoned with alcohol and poisoned with unclean things, but he also doesn't want his mother poisoned with unclean things because Samson's going to look up to his mother. My children love me. I know they love me, Um, but there's something different about a mother's love, and if I call them in a room right now and I say, give me a kiss, especially Jason, he's going to run past me and make sure he gives his mother a kiss first before he kisses me, Uh, so it's important that the example that she sets in front of him is important because he's watching everything that she does. And what the angel is trying to share with uh, 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 the mother of, of, of Samson is not only do I need you to be clean in your body, but I need you to understand that this responsibility is heavy that I'm going to put on you. So what I have to do is I have to prepare you for this promise. I'm here to talk to somebody today and tell you what you're going through right now. God is preparing you for your promise. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to you right now. And it seems like you're going through separation right now in this season. It appears that certain folks are moving out of your life. It appears that certain people that you used to connect with, you don't connect with no more. And God is removing all of these things out of you because he's trying to prep you for your promise. And what you have to understand is in this season, this is the season to pray like never before. This is a season to seek instruction from God like never before. This is the season to get in the Bible like never before. Because as you begin to get in that mode and get your mind wrapped up in God, that's it. And then God is able to drop a blessing on you and you're able to contain and hold on to what he's trying to do in your life. So he says, be careful not to drink wine or beer or to eat anything unclean. For indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must not cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Now I want you to work right here. Nazarites, a lot of times when we think of the Nazarite, we think of Samson. But there were more than, uh, more than Samson. He was not the only Nazarite in the Bible. With the Nazarite vow... It was for a season in most cases. So there were people that were Nazarites who were Nazarites for a season, not for their whole entire life. Samson is one of the few that was assigned to be a Nazarite from the time that he was born because his whole life was to be set aside and to be set apart from God. Now watch this. This is why God was able to use his mother. Because she recognized that the blessing that God gave her was not her own. And when you recognize that the blessings that God gives you is not your own, you don't struggle with giving it back to God. Don't believe me? Ask Hannah. Hannah was barren and God blessed Hannah. And when God blessed Hannah, Hannah recognized that the blessing that God gave her was not her own. So when Samuel, Samuel was born, I'm talking about first Samuel one, when Samuel was born, the first thing she did was she weaned him, but then she gave him back to the Lord. Now watch this because she gave her child back to the Lord. The Bible says from that day forth, her womb became open and she produced more children. You can never give, get, <laughs> you can never beat God in giving. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about when you give your life to God. When you completely commit yourself to God, God will always outdo anything that you will do for him. So we can't even talk about a sacrifice. But when you begin to give God back what belongs to him, let me tell you something. God will bless you exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or even think. So don't you get caught up for a moment into believing that your sacrifice to God is so powerful that he can't reciprocate a hundredfold. I'm talking to somebody today. I'm sorry, I'm excited, but I feel this on today. I I, I want you to understand that when God gets done blessing you, you're going to thank God you made the sacrifices that you made. There is nothing in comparison to God's blessings to us. There's no sacrifice we can make that can compare to the blessings that God has given us. If we wanna talk about sacrifice, we gotta talk about God who gave his son, who didn't have to give his son, but he gave his son so that we could live. And every once in a while, he just asks you to live holy. Not every once in a while, he asks you to live holy. He asks you to sanctify yourself. He asked you to turn away from the, the appearance, to shun the appearance of evil, to, to get away from certain sinful things and to walk away from sinful natures. And we have the audacity to complain to God and we fail to understand that if we can sacrifice those little things in comparison to what he has for us, man, you would drop that stuff like it was nothing. But we fall in love with our sin. We fall in love with our passions. We fall in love with our our natures. And sometimes God has to give it over to you or give you over to it until you recognize that there's nothing greater than him. So he tells her you must never cut his hair. He's going to be a Nazarite from birth. Now watch this, sixth verse. Then she went and told her husband, a man of God came to me He looked like an awe-inspiring angel of God. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. Now, let's stop right there. In most cases, whenever someone, a prophet, or anyone comes uh, to present themselves to people, they would always uh, show or give their name to that person. Uh, they They would also recognize where they came from. Uh, so they would say, I'm from whatever land. My name is blah, blah, blah. I'm the son of blah, blah, blah. Uh, but she has uh, this this encounter with this angel and this angel never tells her who or where he's from. I'll give you another example. Uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, the Bible says uh, that Jacob is wrestling with the angel. And when Jacob is wrestling with the angel, he asks the angel for his name. Uh, Because back in those days, it was important that if I'm going to receive a message, I want to know the name of the messenger. Uh, But she recognizes not to even ask him his name because there's something different about him. He has a different type of shine on him. He has a different type of countenance. She doesn't know that he's an angel, but she recognizes that there's something different about him than the average man that she has ever encountered. So she goes and she tells her husband that she has met a man, a man of God. He looked, she said, he looked like an awe-inspiring angel, but she didn't know. I didn't ask him where he was from, and he didn't tell me. Now watch this. He said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son, therefore do not eat, do not drink wine or beer, do not eat any unclean thing, because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth until the day of his death death. So she reiterates what the angel told her. Now, I love this eighth verse because what happens in this eighth verse is Manoah, it is not that he doesn't believe his wife, uh, that he, he doesn't go to God because he thinks that his wife is a liar, but he goes to God because he wants to make sure that he handles the thing that God is getting ready to put in their life with care. When was the last time God blessed you and you went back to God and asked God for instructions on how to handle what he gave you? Uh, see, too many times, once we receive the blessing, we start running off with our own thing on what we're going to do with it. And that's why God can't bless some of us. If God blessed a couple million dollars in your pocket, you ain't going to ask God what to do with it. You just start running and spending it. Uh, but what Manoah does is he recognizes that what God is getting ready to give me is something so powerful, and I don't want to offend him with the blessing that he's going to give me. Watch this, because this blessing I should have never had. So now, since God is getting ready to give me something that I never had, I want to make sure that. That I follow the complete instructions On what he wants me to do With the blessing that he wants to give me Can I talk to somebody If somebody God is going ready, getting ready to bless you in this season And when God gets ready to bless you In this season, don't get foolishness With the blessing, but when God Blesses you in this season, learn how to Get on your knees and get instruction On how to handle What he's getting ready to give you So Manoah says, God, I don't Just want to be blessed, but God I want to handle the blessing with care because I want this blessing to last a long time. So Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, please, Lord, let the man of God you sent come to us again and teach us what we should do for the boy who will be born. Now watch this. God listened to Manoah. And the angel of God came again to who? The woman. He didn't come to Manoah. Watch this. Manoah is asking for God to visit him. But God skips over him again and goes to his wife. Why does he skip over Manoah? (laughs) Because God doesn't change his word. God's word is universal. When God speaks it, it is what it is. So what he doesn't want is he doesn't want confusion with his word. If he would have came to Manoah... Manoah would not have known whether or not this was the same messenger that came to his wife. So what God did was God sent the angel over to the wife. The wife grabbed the husband and the angel gave the husband and the wife the same word so that there would be no confusion with the promise. Mm. <laughs> God doesn't, God doesn't want any confusion with his promise. So what he does is he makes sure that they're both in the same vicinity so that he can give them the same word so that there is no confusion with what he has given them. Uh, Help me, God. And that's why we got to be careful when somebody prophesies something to you over here and prophesies something to you over there. No, we need a word that God can give us in the same room. So God, listen to Manoah, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 10th uh, verse. The woman ran quickly to her husband and told him, the man who came uh, to me the other day has just came back. So Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he asked, when he, I'm sorry, when he came to the woman, he asked, are you the man who spoke to my wife? Watch this. He said, I am. Right, we we could park there, but I ain't gonna do it. I am, he said. Then Manoah asked, when your words come true, What will be the boy's responsibilities and work? The angel of the Lord answered Manoah, your wife needs to do everything I told her. Watch this. I don't need to give you no new instructions. If you do what I told you to do, I'll take care of the rest. Sometimes God leaves us in the dark because he already has made provision for the situation. He just needs you to have that first faith, that first step of faith to trust him. And he'll do the work, the rest of the work all by himself. So he doesn't give them any more instruction. The only instruction I need you to do is don't drink any strong drink. Don't drink any beer and don't eat any unclean thing. If you do all of that, then I will do the rest of the work. And she must, I'm sorry, 13 verse, she must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink wine or beer, and she must not eat anything unclean. Your wife must do everything I have commanded her. Watch this, Manoah says, please stay here, Manoah told him, and we will prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to him, if I stay, I won't eat your food. Now, that sounds rude, doesn't it? Sounds rude that the angel won't eat his food. But can I share something with you? When we go back to when when Manoah's wife met the angel the first time, he didn't share his name. And the reason why he didn't share his name was because his name wasn't important in the message. Man, I can work this today. The message was more important than the messenger. So there was no need for you to know his name. It was a need for you to know the message. It was never about the messenger. It was about the message. Watch this. We have a host of angels that are upon the face of the earth. This is biblical. We have a host of angels that are upon the throne of God. We have a host of angels that are in the heavens. And if I asked you to name 10 of them, you couldn't name them. Because it's not about the name of the messengers. It's about the name of, it's about the message. We know Michael. We know Gabriel. That's about it. Some folks say Raphael and all those names. Those names aren't in the Bible. Because it's not important for us to know the names of the messengers It's more important for us to know the names of the message. Now, if the angels that are uh, in the heavens that have witnessed the glory of God in his presence and in his atmosphere can come here with an assignment and not worry about their reputation on the earth, then why do we need our name on everything? If the angels who can fly who have six sets of wings with eyes under the wings and say, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord day and night, don't look for any recognition, then why do we need recognition when God gives us a message? And maybe that's why God withholds the message from some of us because we need more joy and more power and we need to be recognized for who we are by giving the message than giving God glory for just being the messenger. So now the angel comes and they want to offer a sacrifice to him, but the angel recognizes his assignment. My assignment is to give you a message, not to receive an offering. So he's saying, I'm not going to eat your food because your food doesn't belong to me. The food belongs to God. My only assignment was to come here and tell you what God told me to tell you. I don't deserve an offering. If you want to bless anybody, give the offering to God. So he says, I don't want to eat your food. Because the food should go to the messenger, the real messenger, not me. Watch this. He provides my (laughs) needs. He does everything I need him to do for me. So I can't eat your food. Watch this. Because if I eat your food, then you will mess up your praise and start praising me instead of praising him. Man, this is a message. You would now have to praise the messenger and not the giver of the message. And then that's when angelic worship would come into your theology. And you would then start going Father God in the name of Gabriel and not Father God in the name of Jesus. And this angel recognizes that his assignment is to give God. There is their assignment is to give God the glory. My assignment is to give the message. And if you want to worship, let me get out of the way so that you can give God all of the glory. And the Bible says, and when they looked up, he was consumed in the fire because he got out of the way of their worship with God. Oh, when people worship God, get out of the way because it ain't about you, but it's about them, about him. So, when God gives me a word, I have to recognize it ain't about me. If God uses me for an assignment in the church, I have to recognize it's not about me. When God gives me an opportunity to preach the gospel, I have to learn how to preach the gospel, but then point you to the cross. Because everything that I'm saying is foolishness if I don't point you to the cross. The assignment is not for you to glorify the preacher. The assignment is for you to glorify the message that God has given the preacher with. And in this season, I got to sit down and shut up. In this season, we have become more glorified and blessing the angels of the house and the the messengers than the message itself. And that's our problem. Now we're worshiping man and we're worshiping angels, but we're not worshiping God. Move out of the way. so that God can be glorified. I don't have time to finish the rest of the text. The angel now recognizes that my assignment is done. I don't need to keep sitting around here. I now need to give them time with God. And the Bible says he goes up into the flame of fire. He disappears. And now they recognize what his assignment was when he moves out of the way. Church, we have to prep ourselves for what God is getting ready to do in this season. I know y'all saying, what are you talking about, Pastor Joel? We going through a pandemic. This pandemic won't last forever. This coronavirus, some of y'all might think think it is, it's it's not going to last forever. And the question that I have for you is, what are you doing to prep for your promise? What are you doing right now to get in preparation for what God is getting ready to do in this next season in your life? Or are you just sitting around chilling right now, enjoying the quarantine? What plans have you put in place? What ideas are you working on? What are you doing to educate yourself? What are you doing to get yourself in position for this next level that God is trying to take you to? Or are you just sitting here right now in this season just waiting for pie to fall out the sky? Or are you just waiting for the next, the next stimulus check? If you're just waiting for the favor of man, you're going to mess up. But if you're looking for the favor of God, you need to get in the place of preparation so that God can not only bless you, but that you can maintain what he wants to bless you with. I'm going to give you three points and I'm going to sit down here. My three points for the preparation of a blessing. Uh, uh, I can't see that there. Three points for the preparation of the blessing. You with me? Number one, even in our sin, God brings provision. Now watch this. Uh, the children of Israel had gone into the captivity of the land of the Philistines, but immediately in the second verse, God already had a plan. And I'm so glad that God didn't get stuck like some of us get stuck uh, when, when folks hurt us. Or folks, get we get stuck when we're offended. Uh, God was able to take the offense, but still bring provision for us to get us out of the mess that we were in. Number two. God hears you, even in the silent seasons of your life. Now watch this. Uh, Manoah's name meant rest, but he lived in a land called Zora, which was noisy. And he could not find rest in a noisy place or in a noisy season of his life. But God was able to hear his prayers, even with all the chaos coming on and met him where he was. And I'm here to let you know that in the midst of all of this chaos going on and all the noise that's going on and uh, all of the unsettling, uh, this unsettling season that we're going through, I want you to understand that God still hears every prayer that comes out of your mouth. Number three, we must prep before the promise comes. We must prep before the promise comes comes don't wait for this next season in your life to come and you ain't ready this is the time now to educate yourself this is the now talent the time now to get yourself in position this is the time now to read this is the time now to network this is the time now to communicate can I help somebody this is the time right to get it right with some people in your life because God ain't gonna bless you with a bad heart This is the time to call people and reconcile. Prep yourself for this next season that God is trying to take you to. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this word on today, God. God, I ask you, Lord, that you just continue, God, to keep us, prep us for this season of promise right now. Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, give us the instruction that we need Allow us, God, to depend on you completely. We ask, God, that you continue, God, to touch us and speak through your word, your holy word. Open our ears, open our hearts to receive what you're trying to give us, God. Don't allow our hardened hearts to reject a blessing that you're trying to place us in us in this season. And, Lord, we ask, God, that you touch every single person on this line, name by one, name one by one. God, you know what they need. God, you know what their requests are. God we ask God to continue God to comfort those uh, that have lost loved ones God during this whole pandemic God we ask God for strength and courage and comfort keep them God and God we ask Lord to continue God to keep your people safe God protect us and cover us under your blood God and God we believe God that you're going to keep us you're going to provide for us and that you're going to make every need and your everything will be sufficient in our lives that we need and God we give you all the praise honor and glory in Jesus name we pray amen